0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Another week, happy Tuesday to you all on June 9th, 6-9. A very, very nice day, the nicest day of the year. And okay, I'm just going to stop saying that before I just keep saying nice because I could just say nice for 6-9 for the entire episode. But, you know, we're not going to do that. As always, this show is brought to you by Built Bar. We'll have more about Built Bar coming later on in the show. But you know, like I said, hope you all are staying safe. Hope you all are doing well on six-nine. Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm now I'm officially done saying this. Um, had an interesting day around the NHL today. The Masterton Trophy um, nominees were announced. So uh, of course, every, one player on every team is announced. For the Penguins, it's Evgeny Malkin. Um, is he going to be a finalist? No. Um, the Masterton Trophy i'll share my thoughts on that you know it's it's become a joke honestly um it might sound harsh but you know when a player such as pascal dupuis doesn't win after coming back from blood clots um matt zuccarello didn't even win it especially when you know when he was coming back from um you know i think he couldn't even speak uh, because of one of one of his injuries i, I have to remember, forget um Excuse me, I forget which injury it was, but I do know, I think he was like in the hospital or something, he could not speak, and the fact that he was able to come back and kick some serious ass, um, and he didn't win it, that was ridiculous. Um, You know, in the past, you know, Yarmir Yager won for just, you know, continuing to play hockey, I guess, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Yarmir Yager, but the fact that he won that was pretty pathetic, and then of course, you know, Dev- that was the year, I think the year that Dupuis didn't win it, I think was when Devin Dubnik did, because, oh, Remembered how to play hockey again. He's not on the Oilers, everyone. It's just, it really just it boggles my mind how a player like that can win the Masterton Trophy, but someone such as like Pascal Dupuis or Matt Zuccarello don't win. And you know, there's you know Chris Letang didn't even win it. You know, he's come back from so many injuries. You know, of course he's come back from a stroke. You know, it's it, the award is just a joke because of the way people vote. Um, I think this year, if you want a couple obvious winners um, that you can make a case for either one um Bobby Ryan, you know, coming back from alcohol problems, that's just that's that's an easy one right there. You know, you could easily give that to him. And then you know the Flyers representative Oscar Lindblom, I 100% think he's going to be a finalist, you know, what he's going through with cancer and all that and hopefully he's able to make a full recovery and he can be back on the ice soon. And I think when he if he does make the full recovery and he is he does come back onto the ice, um I think he's going to kick some serious ass. So, I mean, like I said, I think those are two finalists right there. The third one Maybe um, Steven Johns of the Dallas Stars I've been seeing. You know, he missed a lot of last year, I think, with concussions. He's been able to come back and play pretty decently. He could be the next finalist. But, I mean, if two of the three finalists are not Oscar Lindbaum and Bobby Ryan, just literally just cancel this award forever because that, is, that would be just absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, if um, neither one of those two made the finalists. And, and honestly, if one of those two don't even win it, like, like I said, you just disband this award overall because it really is um, pathetic. So um, now that we got that out of the way, moving on. So we did have Phase 2 start this week, so players can now skate in small groups. Evgeny Malkin, of course, had his picture on his flight returning to Pittsburgh, so he's back in action. Um, I'm sure a lot of the other players are coming back. You know, Jason Zucker, of course, was in Minnesota. Patrick Marlowe might be coming back from California. Um, I think Marcus Pedersen went back to Sweden, so he's probably going to have to be coming back. He'll probably honestly have to do a 14-day quarantine um, considering he's coming in from overseas. So of course, you know, that means they can only basically skate um in like three to four players per session, I think is what it is. I have to double check on that. But you know, it's very small groups, you can't do too too much. And then they're hoping for training camps to start in I think mid July. Uh, they don't want it to start before July 10th, so probably around like July 15th would be my guess, is where um they want it to start. Um other than that, let's see here. Of course, this day in Penguins History on June 9th, we had Game five of the Penguin Sharks game just four years ago where the city was just on absolute fire. Um, <clears throat> I tweeted a few pictures of that this morning. Um, just you know, just the way all the fans congregated into the city. You know, you had the big screen outside of PPG Paints Arena. Then the, that one filled up. Then they had to have another one at Market Square because th- there were just so many people. There was such a high demand. So they said, you know what? We're going to put another big screen in Market Square. That filled up really, really quick. I was surprised they didn't. Um, have to do another one in this city. Um, I don't even know where else they would put one. That's just a massive, <clears throat> excuse is just a massive place for people to go. I, don't, I know the Penguins lost that game, but man, that game was just so much fun to watch. The way the Penguins were able to tie that game at two. Because from that moment on, I was just like, man, I think they're going to do it. They're finally going to win their first championship at home. End of that drought. We don't have to see it, them win another championship on the road so they can celebrate with um, the fans at home. But, you know, of course, it was not meant to be and then they would ended up doing it on june 12th which is uh yep yeah, three days away to believe it or not but you know also this day 11 years ago now can you believe it it's been 11 years since this game six of penguins red wings that was on nbcsn last night as they're doing stanley cup final week um you know i was watching that game you know i had a bit maybe a little bit of a controversial tweet saying that the cook stall kennedy line was just as good as the hbk line um i know some people really did not like that but you know i'll, I'll explain my reasoning um of course, we all know how great Phil Kessel was, um, but and it's really hard to compare Phil Kessel and Jordan Stahl because they're such different players, but <clears throat> I will say that Jordan Stahl was a monster. Um, just the way he was able to play at both ends of the ice, his finishing ability, his playmaking, his play in the defensive zone. He was just such a great two-way center. What he did to Brian Rafalski in Game 4 with that goal, I mean, that's one of the top three biggest goals of that playoff run. You know, top three goal, um, of that series, too, if, if we're just going off that as well. But, you know, he was just such a menace. You know, he's one of the best players of the Crosby-Malkin era. You know, it still sucks that he had to leave, but he was just so good in that series. And also, I will say, you know, when Matt Cook wasn't being an idiot, and everyone knows my thoughts about Matt Cook, he, I thought I think he was a really, really good player. He would always score about 15 goals a season. Carl Hagelin really didn't have any hands, but, you know, I think you can make the argument, I guess, for him, with he's just faster, he's more tenacious to pucks. And then, Tyler Kennedy, you know, I mean, I think he's underappreciated in his time in Pittsburgh. You know, remember he had a 20-goal season, was mostly a 15-16-goal score during his years with the Penguins. So um, I think it's closer than some people want to think. I know Nick Benino's awesome, but please don't get me wrong. And I know what he did in um, that run was just historic. You know, the, the game-winning goal against Washington, um, just so many other clutch moments for that line. But I will say that that line against the Red Wings, the Cookstall-Kennedy line, was just disgusting. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's better than the HBK line, but I don't because I don't think it is. But I think it might be as good as it is my argument. But you know, still, just watching that game back, uh, that was honestly the first time I had watched that full game back, and since I think I watched it live, uh, man, the Penguins just so outplayed the Red Wings during that game. I know the Red Wings brought it to them in the third period a bit, um, but man, the Penguins, it just it felt different when you were watching. I mean, I think the Red Wings that through the first couple of periods they were barely putting up 15 shots on net um they were they, that was a Red Wings team that was averaging 37 shots per game during that playoff run um that, that, I will never get over how good that Red Wings team was you know a prime Henrik Zetterberg, a prime Pavel Datsyuk. you know you have a 37 year old Nick Lidstrom who's almost 40 at that point actually um excuse me he was 39 at that point geez I'm um, um, math is not my strong suit. Yeah, 39-year-old defenseman, almost 40, playing like he's 22 in that series. Tomas Holmström, who's a complete animal. Johan Franzen, Valtteri Filippula, Brad Stewart, Brian Rafalski, Jonathan Erickson when he was still actually decent. I know Chris Osgood was kind of meh. But, you know, Marion Hossa, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Chris Draper when he was still doing pretty good. It's just that team was just so good in the way the Penguins were able to take it to them in that Game 6 Force the game seven, you know what you happened with Rob Scuderi doing his thing, being the piece as they like to call them, call him, and then of course being really, really bad when he came back to Pittsburgh just a few years later, but still those couple saves, you know, that um that made Rob Scuderi into a folk hero and you know, people will never ever forget that. So, um yeah, just a lot of fun to watch that game. I wish I could have watched Game Seven, but you know, I watched it like a month or two ago when they were doing the classic Game Sevens of the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, I really didn't think I needed to watch that again. I don't need to have another heartbreak like I did at that time watching it and especially not during 2009 where my my heart was just through through my beating through my chest. So, yeah, you know, a lot of fun to watch that, but you know, what's also a lot of fun is talking about Built Bar. You know, they're protein bars that taste like a candy bar. You have 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. They're covered in 100% chocolate, they're soft and easy to chew. Favorite uh flavors is still the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories. Three grams of sugar, three grams of net carbs. We still have that offer. You can go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo, That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Also, you guys, you know, how could we forget today? You know, this day on 1984, the Penguins drafted Mario Lemieux in the first round of the NHL draft, which is the only time in club history the Penguins selected more than one player in the first round. They also drafted uh, Roger Bellinger and Doug Bodger. In the first round, it was also the only time the Penguins had chosen first overall up until that point, of course. You know, we don't know how many times the Penguins have drafted first overall over the years, like Cindy Crosby and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I guess I had a cough there. But still, you know, where would this franchise be without our lord and savior, Mario Lemieux, the greatest player in hockey history? I will die on that hill forever. I think he was more talented than Wayne Gretzky, and I think he would have shattered his records had uh, Mario not... Been hurt all the time or have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Let's see. So, we didn't do a show yesterday. We also had yesterday on June 8th. Three years ago, that day, the Penguins came back for game five against the National Predators 2 2 series. They absolutely whooped the Predators 6 0 to take a 3 2 series lead. We all know what happened on June 11th when we had the intent to blow call, which we'll be talking about this week as we get up to June 11th, which is on Thursday. Oh, wait. Actually, I should say on Thursday, we're going to have a very special episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Um, it's out. Uh, this episode is actually going across the entire network. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I think you guys will really, really appreciate it once you listen to it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, everyone who worked on it um, did a ma- magnificent job. So yeah, that's all. I'll, that's all the teas that I'll give you guys. It's just it's really, really good from what I've listened to and what I've seen. So we'll probably talk about the June 11th on Friday, which is June 12th, which we'll really talk about the 2009 Cup and the 2016 Cup. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the year, uh, that was the day I graduated high school, of four, four years ago. So you know, always got to remember those big dates. All right, so I am just really, really thinking of other stuff to talk about because there is just not a lot um, going on right now in the hockey world. I hope you guys did listen to the Jeopardy podcast with for Locked On Ducks with me, uh, Locked On Ducks host Jason and um, Sean Woodley, who is yeah, like I said, technically my boss, and then the host of locked on Kings, uh Sarah. It's just it was it was so much fun to do, even though I got my ass whooped. Um, but definitely check it out. And I know you'll probably come away laughing your ass off at how bad I did. But you know, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna kick ass with it at some point. Oh, I did want to touch on this that I saw yesterday. Um the black players in the NHL have actually formed a hockey diversity alliance led by Evander Kane, who's spoken out a lot about what's going on lately, and Akeem Aliu, um of course who had the stories he had he had this players tribune article of how um just basically, you know, he was made fun of for just being black and, you know, just a lot of players and coaches were just really, really racist to him and all this. So um, they, have, yeah, they, have, they have the executive board that includes Trevor Daly, Matt Dumbo, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. Apparently they're going to operate independently of the league to enact change. This is all according to um, Frank Zaravelli. He also says that the, the membership is open to everyone who shares the same goals. And although they're independent of the NHL, their goal is to work productively with the league. This is all according to um frank cerebelli so you know uh, my thoughts on that you know that absolutely freaking rules um i think they're going to do an outstanding job with it we all know we all know how much change needs to happen in this country regarding racial injustice and the fact that some of these nhl players decided to enact change with making a hockey diversity alliance that's just that's freaking awesome You know, I support it 110%, and I know that they're going to do a damn good job with it. Also want to say happy birthday to Connor Sheary. I'm going to continue to call him Connor um, because, you know, the Penguins are going to need him to be back to that uh, 2015-16, 2016-17 mode for Connor Sheary. Um, when he was actually performing really, really good and, you know, not at the level that he did from 2017 onward where he just wasn't nearly as good as the player when he was going under Connor Sherry, not Connor Sherry. So he's now 28. It's hard to believe that he's... Well, wow, time really has flown. I Man, he was only, what, 24 around the time of the Penguins' first cup? You know, that just... Four years just goes by in the blink of an eye, you know? I really... I just, I can't underestimate enough how fast these four years went by, you know, especially considering, you know, I mean, I myself, I was a senior in high school at that point, and now I've graduated college, and the the four years, it just felt, it felt like it was yesterday, it it still does, it's just absolutely remarkable how fast time flies, Um, let's see, we also had yesterday, uh, on June 8th, 1988, Mario Lemieux won the Art Ross Trophy, and he had the Hart Memorial Trophy, he was the first Penguin player to win either award, he also won many of those awards, so um, yeah, that was the first of many for Mario in both categories. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the first year the Penguins made the playoffs under Mario. Yeah, it was the 1988-1989 uh, season. Okay, so I think I missed it by a season. Oh, my bad. But still, you know, first of many for Mario. God, I-, I, just, I just wish I was alive during that time where I could have seen Mario put up like 150-160 points in a season. Um, Just to see how bad the goalies were during the time because all these players are putting up these monster-like numbers, scoring 60 goals, you know, 100 assists. You know, I mean, you never get that today because the goalies just have a lot more equipment on. You know, the league is just much different with scoring. You know, scoring's gone way down since then. I know scoring has kind of gone up the last couple of seasons overall for the league, but, you know, it's not nearly at the point where it was during the 80s where, you know, the, the goaltending was almost like it was optional, basically. <laughs> So, okay, you know, I've just been kind of rambling in on this point. But for our next little segment, I do have something um, else that we'll talk about. It'll be kind of almost like a playoff line preview for you guys of what I think the lines will look like. So stay tuned for that for these next couple of minutes. All right, so we're back here on Locked on Penguins. Um, I know the season's probably about, mm, I'd say, close to about a month and a half from being able to start. I think their target date is July 31st, along with the NBA, maybe um Early August, So, you know, maybe closer to two months, but you know, it's never a bad time to potentially look at some playoff lines. So, um, let's just get that started. I've talked about this a little bit before. So on the first line, I really think they're going to go back to Jake Gensel with Crosby and Sherry. Um, you can kind of move Sherry, um, in and out of the line in and out of the, um, the lineup, well, just down the lineup, I guess. But um, you know, Jake Gensel, I think works best with Sidney Crosby. I know the underlying numbers with Gensel and Malkin were through the roof when they were together. But I just, I think Mike Sullivan just prefers uh, Gensel and Crosby together. Um, we all know how mint they are together, and I'm sure they're gonna be perfectly fine. Um, and Sherry knows how to play with both of them, so I really think he can put up some decent numbers when he's next to them. Uh, for the second line, I think they're gonna go. Um, of course, you'll have Evgeny Malkin with Brian Rust. You know, Brian Rust had his best season of his career next to him. He was going to be a 30-goal scorer, had the season not been paused. Um, I think, and then on his left wing, they'll probably put Jason Zucker. You know, I've said it before, you can always flip-flop Zucker and Gensel. It really doesn't matter. Zucker, I thought, played really, really well with Crosby before the season hiatus. Um, but I think he'll play still pretty good with Malkin as well. Zucker, can I think, can adapt to how Malkin plays. Um, the third line, especially with now with Bukestad and Samo not being able to be available to the Penguins, um, they're gonna probably have Patrick Marlowe on the left wing, Jared McCann at center, and Patrick Hornquist on the right wing. Um, Jared McCann, he's just an interesting situation for him. You know, he had that really hot start scoring at will. And then, you know, he had that streak of like one goal in his last 20, 25 games, something like that. He was hitting all these posts. Just going really, really cold. And, you know, that contract negotiation for him is going to be really, really interesting, I think. I'm going to be curious to see what he asks for, um, considering just the cold, dry spell that he went on for a lot of this season after starting out really, really hot. We all know the Penguins got him to be their third-line center, but, you know, he's going to have to really play like it if he wants to get um, a number uh, for his cap that he's hoping to get. So I think that line's going to be really interesting to watch. We all know the rejuvenation that Patrick Hornquist had. He was just absolutely sensational this season. Um, You know, that's what he can do when he's healthy. I've, I've said it before on this podcast. So I'll keep saying it. You know, when he's healthy, he's really, really good. And, you know, we all know Patrick Marlowe, I thought, was playing well before um, the season paused as well. And then, you know, their third line, Part B, I guess, you know, Aston Reese with Blueger and Tanev, you know, that's their shutdown checking line. They can use that in the defensive zone. When they need to win a draw. We all know how good defensively Aston Reese was this season. Um, Teddy Blueger really, really came into his own. I was talking with Cam, of of course, last week on an episode. I'm sure you guys listened to that, where, yeah, I mean, Teddy Blueger was honestly one of my most improved players. Like I said, you know, he was finally getting that goal scoring touch. And, you know, you could just tell he was ready last year. Um, When he was playing in place of Matt Cullen at times, Matt Cullen had just lost every step in his body. He just wasn't the same anymore, but still was really liking the way Bluger was playing. And then, you know, Brandon Tanev, what a signing he's been. I know I criticized it at the time. I know a lot of other people did. I'll eat all the crow on that one always. I'll always have the old takes exposed on that one as one of my buddies, Jeff likes to say to me as he's um, been begging me to get on Left for Dead um, as I finish recording this podcast. So apologies to Jeff if you listen to this. I'm just about done, and I will be on Left for Dead very, very shortly. Um, defensively, we all know Dumoulin-Latang. That's the shutdown pairing. That's one of the best pairings in the league, no question there. Second pairing, Pedersen and Marino. Um, you know what you're going to get from John Marino with how good he was during his rookie season. We're hoping that Marcus Pedersen can get back to his rookie season form. He'd kind of taken a step back a little bit, uh, during times this season, but I mean, it wasn't like too big of a step back, I should say, but I I think hopefully he should be able to be good to go with the rest that he had. And then we all know what they're going to do on the third pairing with Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, you know, third pairing, if you want to play Jack Johnson, that's easily the best place for him to be. He had a little bit of success there early on in the season, where his underlying numbers weren't too, too bad. He wasn't getting thrown out there against, you know, first and second line players. But, you know, the big question, of course, you know, how is Justin Schultz going to be? You know he was an absolute mess for a lot of this year. He was a mess for a lot of last year. He just hasn't been the same since that ankle injury. So you know we, the Penguins are really going to need to see if he can be the Justin Schultz that they remember him to be in the 2015-16 playoffs and the 2016-17 season. And then for goaltending, you know your guess is as good as mine. I think they're probably going to start Murray game one, but on a much much shorter leash, as Josh always said on an episode just about a week and a half ago. Um, this this will not be a very long leash situation for Matt Murray. I know. Matt Murray is Mike Sullivan's guy, but if Matt Murray struggles like he did a bit this season, he will be pulled for Tristan Jari, who was good for a bunch of this season, but his numbers were going down a bit as we got towards um, the late stages of the season before it was paused. So that's what I think lineup will look like. You know, let me know what um, your lineup would look like. Just, you know, tweet me, DM me, you know, and uh, I'll put it on the show. This is uh fan week so um yeah just if you guys want any questions answered on the show just let me know send me like i said send me a tweet send me a dm and i'll answer anything you guys want and um, i may have some um fans on the show this week i still have to be still to be determined excuse me so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of locked on penguins i know i rambled on a lot about a bunch of different stuff but you know there's just not a lot Going on with the sport right now. I mean, I know there's we're in phase two, but still, you know, when we get more news with stuff, you know, you I'll, you guys will be the first to hear it on Locked On Penguins. So, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll have another episode coming tomorrow, and I will talk to you all then.